Uh, what do you say we get into the Word this morning? Amen? So this weekend, uh, or this last week, uh, how many of you are Disney Plus members now? Man, you're all missing out. We got a few Disney Plus. I know we got a true fan over here. So, um, so this week we, we got Disney Plus, and we've been, of course, watching all kinds of cartoons and fun things. But um, one night I decided to use Disney Plus for myself and watch a little fun documentary uh, Amber didn't even watch, want to watch it, so I stayed up until 1 o'clock in the morning watching it by myself, which was kind of lonely, but that's all right. Um, but it was, a, it was a documentary called Free Solo. Have any, any of you ever heard of free soloing? So free soloing is, is rock climbing without any uh, harness, without any ropes. It's you, the rock, and the powder you use for your fingers, and that's it. And so they're, they're climbing thousands of feet in the air, and this this, uh, this documentary was about this, this guy named Alex something who, uh, who climbed. He's the only person ever to free solo uh, a, um, a rock face in Yosemite called El Capitan, Capitan, I think is how you pronounce it. And, and it's thousands of feet in the air. I can't remember exactly how many, but it's, it's real high. And he's the only one to ever do it. It's one of the most dangerous places to climb. And he did it without any harness, without any rope. Sounds totally stupid to me, but, but it was fun to watch it on a documentary. So um, I told Amber that after watching that, I just get into anything that I watch, I just get into. So now I'm going to become a free soloist. So um, yeah, she doesn't approve, but you know, there's not too many rock faces to climb around Indiana anyways. But, um, but anyways, the whole reason I tell you that is to tell you that this morning we're going to do a little free soloing of ourselves, a little free solo preaching. So uh, every week I get all of my good points from Amber usually. Um, when we discuss what I'm going to be preaching that week, we just talk about it throughout the week and uh, we, we kind of go back and forth. And uh, this week we, we were in the middle of doing that and I was like, you know what, why don't we just do that, what we're doing right now on a Sunday morning? Because what we're talking about this morning uh, Amber just has a lot of experience with and a lot of knowledge in, and so I thought it'd be really cool if we could just kind of pass the mic back and forth and do a little free solo this morning. We're kind of going off the notes. We made a few notes, but we're kind of going off the notes a little bit and wanted just to make this a little bit more conversational, um, and uh, so, so we're doing some free soloing preaching this morning. So I think she can approve of that kind of free soloing since she won't let me do the rock climbing stuff since I've never climbed a rock in a day in my life. Probably shouldn't start out free soloing, but, um, but anyway, so what I want to talk about this morning, we, we, we started talking about last week be, uh, becoming the beloved, having a beloved identity that, that the Lord actually views us uh, that, um, as beloved, that we are the ones he set his affection upon, and that if we begin to uh, have the revelation of that, and begin to go into uh, devotion, into our everyday lives with this idea of being the beloved of God, it can completely revolutionize everything about us. When the Lord can strip us down, which, which we talked about John last week, that John, the beloved, the disciple in the book of John, um, that John you know, was vying for all of these uh, rankings. He wanted to be, uh, he wanted to be uh, sit at Jesus' right uh, hand in his kingdom. He wanted to, to co-rule with Jesus. He wanted to uh, use his power and his authority. And you see him wanting all of these things. But then after Jesus or after John um, has the encounter with Jesus where he lays his head on Jesus's chest 
and he draws near to the Father, all of a sudden John changes his entire uh, language. And instead of even introducing himself in, in the writing of John, he introduces himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. That he doesn't even use his own name anymore. That he allows the Lord to strip his identity down to one thing, and that is the beloved of God. And so that's what we talked about last week, and we're going to continue that in that vein this week. But I want to continue that vein with this idea of devotion, of, of living a life of devotion. And, and I, I usually uh, don't title the message. Gail has to title it for me most weeks uh, when she puts it online. But I actually have a title this week, and it's called The Journey of Beloved Devotion. And I, I titled it that because I, I believe this. I believe that the journey of realizing that we are beloved into stepping into the fullness of what we talked about last week, it's, it's, it's weaved into this journey of devotion. That, and, I, and I make this statement, that I don't believe you can come to the realization that you are beloved without devotion, without drawing near, without coming close to the Father. And I don't think your devotion life will be free of ritualism and legalism without beloved identity. That I believe that the two things of being beloved and, the, and of, of being in devotion are mutually exclusive of each other. That they weave in and out of each other. That, that one without the other, if you're beloved without devotion, then you're, you're, not, um, you're, you're just being lazy in your relationship. You're not pursuing the Father that calls you beloved. But if you're having devotion without beloved identity, then it, it, you get into this, this mindset of, of performance, of going into devotion to earn favor, of going into devotion to earn anointing. And, and it, it becomes ritualistic and it becomes almost legalistic at times without this idea of beloved identity. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about all of that. Um, but before I do, I did want to give you just a few uh, resources uh, when it comes to devotion of things that, that have impacted our lives, and I, and I think they're just, it's important to share those things. Um, first thing I want to show you is I've, I read out of this a lot, uh, uh, this, this translation a lot up here, and so you've all heard me reference it, but it's the Passion Translation. Um, the Passion Translation came out just a few uh, years ago, um, and it's not completed yet. There's just the New Testament and then a few Old Testament books that are completed, so he's the editor is, is still working on the translation. But this translation um, has just made the word almost just fresh. It's helped us to see the word in a, in a new perspective. Um, and so I, I highly recommend, if you don't have a Passion Translation Bible, um, to, to get one and read through it. And, and, and I don't make it my exclusive translation. I read lots of trans, different translations. Um, and, and I think that's important so you can see just the different angles of the gospel. But this one, this translation, uh, since it came out, since we've been reading it, has, has been just incredible, I know for Amber and I, and, and just, re, just opening our eyes even more to the scripture. So I, I highly recommend that. Um, I also, many of you recognize this book from several years ago when we first moved home. It's called Simple Devotion. Um, this book was written by a couple of instructors uh, at the Ramp School of Ministry where Amber and I intended, attended, um, we had the honor of sitting through this book, sitting through classes on this book before the book was written. So we were kind of the guinea pigs for them writing this book. They taught us this stuff and, just, and then decided later if it was right or not. And then the stuff that was right, they wrote the book about it. 
So, uh, but anyways, it's, it's an incredible book about devotion. What we're going to talk about this morning as far as beloved, beloved identity and all of those things um, is, is, is really more about your mindset going into devotion. This book is super practical about devotion. And so if you're a very practical-minded person, I highly recommend you getting this, this book. I feel like I'm a, doing a sales pitch like I wrote these books. I didn't write these books. So, um, and, and another one I want to just share, I'm almost done, but is, is this book by Bob Sorge, who's an incredible writer called Secrets of the Secret Place. Another incredible book on devotion. The good thing about this book is it's all written in bite-sized little pieces. It's, it's more of a reference book that you can kind of go through and, uh, and read just, just sections of it at a time or little bits at a time uh, to gain some different understanding and insight. But another really good one. And then lastly, um, is I want to recommend this book as well. Um, so this book is called Abba's Child. I'm actually still in the middle of reading this book, um, but all the stuff that we've been talking about this last few months about being, um, being a, a child of God and being in the family with the Lord and being the beloved, all of that stuff, when I started reading this, it was, it's just amazing how much of that is in this book. I wish I had this book a couple months ago when I started talking about all this stuff. Um, but this is an incredible book. I, I'm, I'm this close to buying a copy for the entire congregation. It's that good. Um, and so I, I highly recommend if, if you get this book called Abba's Child. Um, and that's actually where I want to start this morning with the message, is reading a, a little excerpt from this book and then, uh, then jumping into some of these other things we're going to talk about. But I want to read, this is the, the uh, it's, it's, he's titled this part, A Word Before. So this is kind of the, uh, the little paragraph that he wants you to read before you read the book. And so it says, it says this, it says, On February 8th, 1956, in a little chapel in Loretto, Pennsylvania, I was ambushed by Jesus of Nazareth. The road I've traveled these last 38 years is postmarked by disastrous victories, magnificent defeats, and soul-diminishing successes, and life-enhancing failures. Seasons of fidelity and betrayal, periods of consultation and desolation, Zeal and apathy are not unknown to me. And there have been times when I felt the presence of God was more real to me than the chair I'm sitting on. When the word ricocheted like broken back lighting in every corner of my soul. And when a storm of desire carried me to places I've never visited. And there have been other times when I identified with the words of Mae West. I used to be snow white, but I drifted. When the words when the word was as stale as old ice cream and as bland as tame sausage, when the fire in my belly flickered and died, when I mistook dried-up enthusiasm for gray-haired wisdom, and when I dismissed youthful idealism as mere naive, when I preferred cheap slivers of glass to the pearl of great price. If you relate to any of these experiences, you might want to browse through this book and pause to reclaim your core identity as Abba's child. I thought that was incredibly significant to what we're going to talk about this morning with devotion because I don't know about you, but I relate to almost every word he said in that opening. That there's been times where the passion for the Lord inside of me is almost uncontainable, where there's a fire burning in my belly, and then there's been other times where I'd rather sit on the couch, turn on Netflix, and veg 
and not do any praying, not do any devotion, not have anything to do with church. You know, and, and it's just like I just dry up almost. And, and there's those seasons where you're on fire and there's the seasons where you're not on fire and you're just doing everything you can do to just keep on going. And that's so important to realize that that, that is a normal part of life and it's a normal part of devotion. But that within all of that, within the passionate times and within the dry times, that you are still Abba's child, that you are still beloved. When you are feeling passionate and when you are feeling dry, that when you are feeling dry, you're still as much beloved as when you are when you're feeling passionate and when you're on fire and when you're zealous, that no matter where you're at, you are the beloved of God. You are Yahweh's beloved. Amen? And that's important, I think, to realize on this, on this journey, because it really is a journey, that everything we talked about last week with coming into this identity as beloved, it really is a journey. It takes, it does, it's not something that can happen just over time. I believe that we can have an encounter with the Lord where he initiates this journey of belovedness. But how many of you realize that, that this journey of this revelation of walking in this identity of beloved is a journey. It's a, it's a learning experience. It's, it's, it's going deeper into the, the things of the Lord and going deeper into this, uh, this revelation of identity. And, and sometimes it just takes some time to do that. And, it, and I, want, I want you to realize that, that it's okay. It's okay if it just takes a little bit of time to come into that identity of belovedness. But to realize that whether you are fully in that revelation or not, that you are still beloved. Amen? Amen. So the journey of belovedness. Feel free to jump in if you want to anytime. I think that the important thing about um, the initiation to the beloved identity and things that Josh was referencing was like when you're talking about the dry times and then the glory-filled times, I feel as though if you can truly access the idea of beloved and the idea of you being Abba's child, it starts to eliminate those seasons in your life. Um, you, you don't always have to be dry because you know who you are. You know, that it, the, it helps to eliminate the roller coaster lifestyle of Christianity because that's truly not what the Lord wants for us. And I, I look back at Psalms 1. We've heard this so many times taught to us of just the what it looks like to walk in the ways of the Lord. In Psalms 1-3, it says, He will be standing firm like a flourishing tree planted in God's delight, deeply rooted by the brooks of bliss, bearing fruit in every season of his life. He is never dry and never fainting, ever blessed and ever prosperous. And we've talked about that verse before, but I feel like it's extremely important to understand that the, the will of the Father is for you to be that tree planted by that brook so that you're never dry. You, you know, beloved identity gives you access to that brook, that you're not feeling like you, you know, just those dry seasons in life, I feel like it gives you, it, it eliminates the excuses for those. Because sometimes I feel like people are like, well, yeah, I'm just, you know, going through one of those times, you know, it's just a little dry right now. Yeah, but you're not trying either. You know what I mean? Like, it, it eliminates excuses of, you know, you're supposed to be planted in that river. And if you aren't feeling anything, maybe you, your roots need to go a little bit deeper and draw a little bit closer because there's always access to it. Exactly. Amen. Yeah, beloved, the beloved identity, exactly what you said, even though 
our emotions may feel dry at times and our, our energy and our zeal may feel dry at times. Beloved identity is that root going into the water that, that, that no matter where we're at, we can realize who we are. And because of that, it gives us that zeal and that passion back. And so um, I want to just share with you a little bit about our journey on, of devotion. Um, so back when uh, we were in RSM, back at the ramp, um, when we were down south, that was what? In 2012 is when we moved down there, right? No, 2010 is when we moved down there. And um, when we first got down there, um, our, let, me t- let me tell you a little bit how RSM worked when we got there. It's totally different now. But when we got there, they had never done a school before. I think it was like six months before we got there, they are like, hey, let's start a school of ministry. And they're like, yeah, sure, let's do it. And they just kind of started making things up as they went. So we were kind of the guinea pigs of the school. Um, and so what it looked like for us is we would come in, uh, we'd have morning prayer, and then they would teach us. They Basically, the teaching was they'd preach at us until like noon. So it was basically a mini church every single day, it was, and it was the most glorious, amazing thing we'd ever experienced. And so, um, but when we had first gotten there and they began teaching us things, they, they started off with some just deeper uh, types of teachings and deeper types of things. And they, they were not having a lot of success with, with us students as a whole with these teachings. And they realized that the reason why is because we lacked the foundation of devotion. That we were coming in talking about the tabernacle of Moses, but none of us ever prayed. You know, like none of us ever didn't read our Bible on a regular basis. None of us had this, this devotional life. They were trying to teach us about the tabernacle of Moses, and none of us even, you know, read John 3.16, you know. So, so it was, it was uh, they realized really quickly that they needed to teach us on the subject of simple devotion. And so they begin releasing these teachings on simple devotion on, and on how to have a prayer life, how to be consistent in your walk with the Lord. And, um, and it was revolutionary for Amber and I. You know, we, you've heard our story before. Both of us grew up in the church. Both of us have loved Jesus since we were born. And, uh, and I've, I've known the Bible. I've known, the, you know, all of those things. But our, our consistency in our, with our prayer life was, was very inconsistent. You know, we weren't, we weren't every day living in devotion. We weren't every day um, spending time with the Father. And so when this teaching of simple devotion came, it completely revolutionized how we viewed devotion. And we began uh, having a more passionate, a more sincere, a more consistent prayer life and devotion life, which was incredible. But I found that after a while, that devotion became almost... It, it was almost like work, like, and it was almost, uh, I don't want to say a burden, but kind of, kind of a burden because I felt like if I didn't have a devotion today, if I didn't set aside time to go to my Bible and pray and to spend you know, half an hour praying, a half an hour reading, if I didn't do that, then I was somehow, uh, um, I was somehow disappointing God. I was maybe, uh, in the back of my mind, I, I equated uh, my devotional life with the anointing I can carry. And so I felt like if I wasn't doing it, then I was losing anointing or whatever. Um, and it, it became almost this, this, this discipline that became almost a burden, where before it was freedom, and then it became a burden because I felt like if I didn't do it, then I wasn't being a good Christian, if that makes sense. <laughs> and so that, excuse me, so that became my mindset. Um, 
with devotion. I became consistent. I became more disciplined, but I also kind of lost that fire for it. It became this, it became this thing where I felt like I had to earn favor with God by having devotion every day. And, and so, so with this journey of, of beloved, with this revelation of, of the, that we are God's beloved, that he is pleased with us uh, before we do anything, it, what it did for me is it took away this, um, this idea of having to perform in devotion. Does that make sense? It took away this idea of having to perform for God or having to earn favor from God because I was already favored. And what it did for me is it, it didn't cha- necessarily change my routine of devotion. It changed my thought towards devotion, changed my mindset to devotion. So I didn't go into devotion to earn favor with God. I didn't go into devotion to even to gain knowledge from Scripture or to, in my line of work, to get a message for Sunday morning or a message for youth group. But I went into devotion, as Song of Solomon says, because I am my beloved's and he is mine. I went into devotion knowing that I was already highly favored, that I didn't have to perform for God in devotion. I went into to devotion just to spend time with my father, just to spend time with the one who loves me and the one that I love. And it totally changed my mindset. And what it did was it freed me. It became so freeing from this burden of devotion and it became a delight. Devotion became something that I wanted to do and that I longed to do, not something that I had to do because it was part of my Christian life. Does that make sense? I know Amber's got something there, so... I just remember when we first started, I feel like the practical aspects of devotion are extremely important for foundational of just trying to get you in like, what does it actually look like? You know, steps one, two, and three. But, and you know, as we were going through that journey, I also found myself like listening to other people talk about it and like just giving ideas and, uh, you know, things of what they do in their devotional life. So I was trying to recreate what the Lord was working in their life. And so, you know, you would hear there was a lady there. Her name was Stacy Reeser, phenomenal speaker and just incredible mother. Just listening to her talk, I'm like, okay, this is how Stacy does it, so this is how I'm going to do it. And it wasn't working, and I couldn't figure out why it wasn't working. So, you know, you finally feel like, for me, I would get into a groove of it, of just the I don't want to say legalistic because it was extremely fruitful and it changed my life, but just the very much so um, systematic, I guess you could say. And then, you know, I would have one child and then, you know, I would rework my life around that and then I, I could, okay, I can still make devotion work. And then I had two and then, you know, you kind of work your way and then you had Maylee and it was like, dear Jesus, I don't have time to pray. Like, I don't have time to read. I don't have time to pray. Like, and I was so, I was struggling so much because I felt like I couldn't get into that systematic like okay they're napping and the house is picked up and the dishes are done and the laundry's folded so I can actually pray and it could be quiet because it was like for me everything had to be perfect for that devotion time to take place and I remember talking to Jackie about it and her saying you know the Lord understands the season of life you're in and I'm like I feel like that's just an excuse for me to use. Like, I know people who do, oh, the Lord knows my heart. Like, I don't have to go to church. The Lord knows my heart. I don't have to do, you know, I didn't want to be that person. And she, I just remember her keep telling me, but the, he understands the season that you're in. And so probably a year into that, probably back in 2017, everything changed for me in April of 2017 when I felt like the idea of beloved and the idea of devotion in my life 
merged. And now it's to a point of, you know, sometimes it's going to look like the practical, systematic kind of devotion. Other times the Lord's like, let's do devotion in the car today. Or let's do devotion while you're folding laundry today. Or why don't you put on this podcast while you're doing your hair and I'm going to, I'm going to speak to you through that. You know, like it's, it's so devotion combined with beloved identity is freedom no matter what. It doesn't, because you can do devotion anytime, anywhere, no matter what it looks like. And it it's real. And he's, he's accessible like that. You don't have to have the perfect worship song on with the no kids talking in the background. And, you know, it doesn't have to be the perfect setup because for me, that's what I felt like it had to be. And I didn't get that very often. There was no kids not talking very often, and there still isn't. They just talk all the time, you know. But um, the, the beginning of this year for me, I just felt like the Lord kept, like, putting on my heart the idea of journaling. And I've heard of people journaling, and I just thought it was weird. Like, we know lots of people that do journaling, and they would talk about it when we were in ministry school, and it was just so awesome. And I'm just like, yeah, that is not my thing. And I just kept feeling like the Lord was like, no, just try it. Like, just try it. I'm like, yeah, no, I really, really don't want to do it. So for six months, you know, I'm just like, yeah, whatever. That's not really the Lord doing that. So then we're at Camp Ascend this year with the youth. And after one of the nights, um, I had a journal that I had gotten six months before at the beginning of the year when the Lord was like, why don't you use that journal for, for us? And I'm like, yeah, no. Okay, so I had it at Camp Ascend with me, and I started journaling, and it has revolutionized everything for me again and that was just in June you know and I keep telling Josh I don't know why it's taken me so long to do this like because for me right now the Lord wants to do devotion through journaling because I can journal and I can write and it it forces me to focus on exactly what I'm doing and not thinking about 20 other things that need to be done. But I can also do it when Maylee's playing dress up and singing Let It Go at the top of her lungs. You know, like it's things can be going on around. And last week even, I started reading the Abba's Child book and I'm like sitting on the couch sobbing and hysterically like writing and Maylee's playing dress up in the other room, you know. But the the awesome thing about that too is that she sees mom and dad doing devotion. She sees mom and dad having a relationship with Jesus and it's not just, oh, it's something that we do only when we go to church on Sunday morning. So I feel like you have to be able to be in tune with Holy Spirit of how he wants to do devotion with you because you might try journaling and it might just go terribly for you. But right now that's what we're doing. But then next week he might say, hey, let's Let's change it up and let's do it this way. So it's really all about being ex- like tuned in to Holy Spirit to know exactly what direction he wants to go and just letting him, letting him control the way it goes instead of you trying to fit him into the box of this is what devotion looks like. And if you don't show up in my 15 minutes that I have before work this morning when I'm reading and doing this, then sorry, you missed your chance. You know, it, it has to be so much more open and so much more, you have to be more accessible than the box of time that we try to set aside for devotion. Absolutely. And I think two things I think of when she's when she was talking and um, is one, that devotion, and she actually wrote this in the notes here, so this is, this is her, um, I thought it was so good though, but she said that... Um, that there is freedom and devotion through the lens of beloved, but freedom, not laziness. And I thought that was incredibly important 
uh, when we're talking about this because if you're if you hear us wrong, <clears throat> you hear almost like people hear about cheap grace, right? That the Lord uh, gives grace to us, therefore I can do whatever I want, and the Lord's going to have grace. And that's not that's not what grace is, right? And beloved's the same way that you are beloved whether or not your devotional life is amazing or not, but it doesn't mean that you don't, that you get lazy in your approach towards him. It, it just means that your mindset is different when you approach him. You're approaching him because you're beloved, not to earn belovedness. And so that's, I think, an important detail that Amber had brought up um, within what she was talking is that, that the idea of beloved, the beloved journey of devotion or however it is, is not an excuse to be lazy in devotion, but it actually should propel us deeper into devotion and deeper into, you know, being intentional about devotion because we're doing it because our beloved is there, right? And so in Matthew chapter 6, Chad, my, my verse for the day, go ahead and go to just to the next verse. Matthew chapter 6, it says, but you, when you pray, Go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And so this, this verse is as Jesus, the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. And so, the, and then the next verse is going on after that is the Lord's Prayer, where we get the Lord's Prayer. And so, but I love this verse, and I feel like this, this verse, out of all of them in the Bible, is one of the most foundational verses when we're talking about devotion. And the reason why is this, it says, but you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who's in the secret place. And there's several things in that verse I want to point out. One, the Lord is telling us to be intentional about devotion. He's telling us, when you pray, go into your room, go into a certain place, a certain area, be intentional about seeking after the Father, right? So be intentional. And, but it says, when you have shut the door, Pray to your father who is in the secret place. That, that what he's also saying is be intentional about it, but also make it deeply personal. Make it a deeply personal thing. And so you're not doing it to, uh, like, it, like the previous verse says, that the, the hypocrites, the Pharisees, pray openly in the square so everybody can hear them, so that others will recognize how religious they are and how righteous they are and all those things. That your devotional life isn't for other people, it's for your personal relationship with the Father. So it's about it being personal. But, but here, and here's, here's the last part of that. Uh, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And this goes back to this idea of belovedness. Why do we have devotion? Why do we go to the secret place? It's because that's where he is. That we go into devotion to be with the Father, to be the beloveds, and to, to be with the Father. And so the purpose of devotion, and, and to me, that's the key to devotion. That's the key to, it, to all of your intentionality of devotion, not become, and, and to all of the discipline of devotion. That's the key for it not to become ritualistic and legalistic, is that you remember the who of devotion, the reason why you're going into devotion is to simply be with the Father in the secret place. And it's not to earn favor. It's not to do all these other things. It's to be with the Father. Amen? 
And so I think that's incredibly important. Um, another thing that Amber was talking about, and then I'm going to give it back over to her and let her read something that she wrote in her journal um, that, that she had mentioned, though, is that that devotion can look differently for everybody. And even within yourself, it can look different in different seasons. That it may not always be sitting down at the coffee table at six in the morning, reading your Bible and, and, and saying a prayer or whatever. That, and, it, and it can look like that. I know, I know some people, actually one of the writers of this book, that's what he does every single morning. He, sits, he wakes up early, he sits at his table, he reads, and he prays. And, so, so, and that's, that's totally fine if it stays that way. But devotion can look differently in different seasons of your life, like Amber mentioned with the kids. You know, with every kid, it looks different. Someday when the kids are off in high school or graduated, it's going to look different for us. But it can look different, and that's okay that it looks different. That, that the way I do devotion may look differently than the way Buzz does devotion. And, and it's okay. And, and the key is, is to finding that niche with the Father, finding the, the way of doing it. And the other thing I think is important to realize is that devotion isn't just half an hour or an hour a day. Devotion is a continual thing all throughout your day. That I think it's important to set aside special time where it, it can be an intentional moment, but devotion should last 24-7, that you're constantly in communion with the Father. Amen? Okay. Amber, why don't you go ahead and read your parable that you wrote here. Okay. Well, um, I have recently, within the last couple of years, really started enjoying flowers at our house. And I know that's weird, maybe, but I think they're fun. And so this year, I went to pick out mums to replace, like, the flowers out front. So this whole thing happened with my mums, and I'm just going to read you the story. So... I purchased mums the beginning of September to replace some dying summer flowers in the front of our house. The selection process was intense, and I assure you that is the truth. What color did I want? <laughs> what color did I want? What? Okay, so then I picked what color, then like what plant actually looked like the best, because you don't want to buy like the flower that's half dead, and then it doesn't work for you. So, you know, you're, it's very intentional. So, after much thought, I brought home two beautiful white mums. They looked fantastic for the first two to three weeks, and I would water them and take care of them every day. I know people talk about, like, talking to your plants. I don't think I'm to that point yet. Um, <laughs> if I keep having, like, my kids making me crazy, I might get to that point of talking to plants. But so I would just, I was taking extreme care of them because they just looked so pretty with the dark-colored barrel. And then, then you had, like, red and purple flowers and orange flowers over here. So that's why you couldn't get, like, purple or orange because it could clash with the purple or orange across the and road. And it took about two to three weeks for her to decide what color she wanted, too. It's real, okay? It's a real deal. So anyway. Um, about three or four weeks in to this, I started noticing that there was a touch of purple on all of the ends of all of the white mums. And um, I found this rather annoying doing to my extensive selection process that I went through because if I wanted purple mums, I would have bought purple mums. So my next step was to talk to my plant expert, AKA ask Carly if Andrew knows why my mums are turning purple. So, he's all, he can only help me. He doesn't want to talk to you guys. He doesn't want to help you with your flowers. He's just helping me. So, Andrew told Carly to tell me that they might be root-bound or have run out of room to grow in the barrel so that they're just starting to die. 
or that the soil was lacking phosphorus and that, or that the plant itself was lacking that nutrient. Again, I think it was phosphorus, and I didn't double-check that. So farmers, if I sound stupid, just ignore me and pretend like <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. Okay, so I wasn't going to move them because if they were root-bound because I wanted them where they were. And I wasn't going to go buy a specific nutrient to put on my $4 plants. So I just kind of said, well, I guess we'll see what happens. So I became, the more I became annoyed with the color, the lazy I got, more lazy I got with watering them. Nothing helped, so I figured I'd just let them die and forget it and try again next year. So when we got back from vacation um, in October, one of the first things I noticed was how dead my mums were when we got home. Like, like crunchy, like the whole dome, it was just like solid crunchy flowers on top. It was really, really bad. Um, so I was just accepting defeat from the dumb plants, pretending like I never wanted them in the first place. But I found myself that as we drove around, I kept noticing other people's moms. And I'm like, man, their moms look so good. And mine are crunchy. You know, I was just so frustrated by it. So the day after we got home from vacation, it rained all day long. It was cold and ugly and just wet. So the next morning, the sun came out, <clears throat> and I started noticing that there were tiny buds peeking through all the crunchy blooms that were left on top of the mum. So I was shocked to see that there were little blooms coming through. Still seeing a few, I figured those must have just been the lucky ones. And as the day, But as the day went on, more buds and more green leaves I began to notice. So day two after the rain, I walked out the front door <laughs> to find two yellowish-white blooms that had bloomed. So, of course, they were yellowish white, not white. I was excited that maybe there was hope for my plants, but equally annoyed that the yellow wasn't there and not the white because I didn't want yellow. But that's okay. So I decided to get my clippers out, and I began to clip off every single one of the dead blooms on the top. This took time because I had to be careful of all the, the crazy amount of new buds that were coming up under it. So I had to be really careful when I was clipping them. I wasn't clipping away the new buds. Um, so after they are all clipped off, they look like two brand new plants exploding with potential in life. So as I finished all of that, <clears throat> I came inside and I started writing all this stuff down. And God just began to speak to me as I was clipping off every single one of those things, that how often the mums represent us. How many times is our relationship with the father like that mum? We're so excited at the beginning. We have every intention of this thing lasting forever. We're going to take care of it. We're going to nurture it. We're going to cultivate it. We're going to do whatever it takes to make this relationship work. Um, We put so much thought and consideration into it as we pick everything out and water it and spend time with him as much as we can. And then life starts to happen, and our time with him as much as we can starts to turn to when we actually remember. And then things start looking discolored, not like you had originally imagined life with, with Yahweh would be. So you seek counsel, and they gave you options and suggestions. But how often those suggestions to fix our inconsistencies are too costly or too inconvenient. So we just keep going along with what we've always been doing, watering them when we remember and just kind of see what happens. The discoloration continues. And this walk with Yahweh isn't anything like it was supposed to be. It wasn't supposed to be this hard to keep it alive. As time passes, you begin to water less and less until finally you just leave it all together. And when you finally come back to it one day, all you can find are the dead blooms covering the entire of the top of the plant. 
from above the surface, everything looks completely dead as if nothing had ever been there. But then the rain comes. The slow, steady, peaceful, and gracious rain from Holy Spirit comes to water what had once been. Life begins to return to that relationship between you and Yahweh. You still have to be willing to take time to clip off every one of those dead blooms of, of the way the things used to grow. So that way the new blooms can have room. The new buds and blooms might not even look the way they did before, but he is all that matters. That relationship is all that matters. So this morning we're asking, are you willing to properly care for this, this plant, this relationship between you and the Lord? It's not always going to be easy. It's going to take much more than a lazy approach to make this grow. It's not, um, I, I apologize. It's not always going to look the same, and you have to be willing to be okay with allowing Holy Spirit to make it whatever color he chooses. Never under, uh, underestimate the power of a fresh rain from heaven. Never think you're doing good, so I don't really need to go to church today, or I really don't need that Bible study, or I don't really need that prayer time, because one rain can change everything. Always be willing to cut off the dead things so that new life can follow. It will take time, and time can move so slow, but this garden is going to grow, which is crazy about that song. That's a line from a song that we had just heard. So all of this happened, and I go in to start writing, and I turn my worship playlist on on Spotify and hit shuffle, and this is the song that plays because that's just how me and God work is through worship music. And just so many times I can tell you different places I've been and just letting the Lord move and work through music. But how it can take time, and time can move slow, but if you keep at it, it's going to grow. It's going to begin to flourish. It's going to begin to change, and it's going to begin to bring life to where things might have been dead before. Amen. Well, that, that's so packed with revelation in that thing. Um, we could spend a while going through that. Um, but uh, the main thing I, I want to just end with this, with this morning is, is um, that this thing is a journey. And, and it's okay, like Amber said there at the end, that it, it sometimes can feel like it's moving really slow. Other times it feels like things are going quick, you know, but, but it is it just this journey of life that this journey of devotion, this journey of, of this revelation of beloved um, can take time, but it's something that's so worth investing in. That um, as believers, I just want to encourage you just to invest your time into devotion. Invest your energy into devotion. And sometimes it's going to be easy and sometimes you're going to love it and other times it's going to be hard. It's going to feel like that dead plant, right? It's not going to look the way you wanted it to look or you expected it to look. And, and, but I encourage you that in those moments to keep gardening, to keep cultivating your devotion, to keep pursuing the one who we go to devotion for, the one who rests in the secret place, to keep pursuing him and to do it with this mentality and this revelation that you are the beloved one of God, that you are the one that he sets his affection upon. And, and I, I feel like it's so important for this house. And, and it's really, I feel like this, this whole thing has been just a, for Harmony is, is this identity shift. And I feel like that this, this year, this call to devotion 
is how we're going to fully move into that identity shift. And, and I think the Lord is preparing us for some, for some things. And uh, uh, the Lord has been speaking to us a lot about affecting our community and affecting those around us. And uh, I hear all the time, when my, in my prayer time, I hear all the time the, the verse in Romans uh, where it talks about that the world is waiting in anticipation for the sons and daughters of God to manifest. And I, I think that we, I think that's what the Lord's preparing us for. But you can't, but I don't believe that you can have the, the ability to change the culture until we're rooted in this thing of, of belovedness. I don't think we'll have the right tools and the right, um, the right heart and motivation to change culture until we're rooted in this idea of belovedness. And so I, I feel like that's what the Lord's been doing is just is, is shifting our identity. And I really believe that, that the journey to this, that the, the approach to this is going to be through our personal devotion time and our personal seeking after the Father. That we can do it corporately together, but man, how much more effective are we going to be when we do it on our own and when we do it, uh, when we make it personal and then when we come together as a corporate body, man, it's just going to explode, right? But, but it's, we have to be intentional about devotion and go into the mindset of devotion as beloved and, and, can take, you this, and take this journey. So I just want to challenge you this morning, wherever you're at in devotion, there, I know there's people in here that, uh, that probably that, that have extremely strong devotional lives that, that, you, that you do live it in day in and day out. And there may be other people in here who maybe... This is your devotion, is Sunday morning, and that's, that's really about all it mounts up to. Wherever you're at in your, in your journey of devotion, I want to encourage you to be intentional about, about seeking the Father. Be intentional about devotion. Be intentional about every day communing with the Father and doing that, approaching that in this revelation that you are beloved that you're going into devotion already highly favored, that you're going into devotion already loved and accepted by the Father as much as you'll ever be. Amen? So let's begin to draw near to the Father in devotion. And so, Father, Lord, I just thank you for your presence here this morning. God, I thank you for these, these words these last few months, this identity shift in us. Father, I pray as we be, keep receiving revelation Lord, that you would uh, not only let it not only just be something that we hear, but it would be something that would activate inside of us. Jesus, that you would activate in every one of these members of these congregation, everyone that's in the, the ear of, of my voice right now, Father. God, I pray you would activate in their spirit this idea of belovedness, this idea that they are loved by the Father more than they could ever imagine. God, and that every area of our life would operate out of that. And Father, I pray you would ignite in us a passion to pursue you with everything we have, a passion to, to lead a life of personal devotion with our Father. God, and that when we go and seek after that, God, that we would find a wellspring of life that, as it says in Psalms chapter 1, that that river of life, that our roots would go down deep in that river of life, that we wouldn't experience seasons of drought, but because of, our, of us being rooted into that river, God, that we would constantly bear fruit, that our lives would constantly bear fruit of righteousness and holiness, that would constantly bear fruit of, of effectiveness in the kingdom, but Lord, that we would constantly bear the fruit of belovedness and, and of love towards our Father. 
Father, that, um, that this journey of devotion, Lord, would be initiated today, God, in each and every one of us. God, we love you. We give you honor and we give you praise, Lord. God, I just pray once again as we enter into devotion this week that you would just meet us there in the secret place. It's a promise of your word that when we, when we go into the secret place that you are there. Lord, we honor you this morning. We love you so much. In Jesus' name.